0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Financial Times. We value your feedback. Please go to ft.com slash listen and fill out a short survey for a chance to win a pair of Bose acoustic noise-cancelling headphones.
1: The FT Hello and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we look at rapprochement between Obama's America and Castro's Cuba. How far can it go and what are the international implications? Joining me on the line from Washington is Jeff Dyer, our diplomatic correspondent, and also on the lines John Paul Rathbone, our Latin America editor, who's just back from the summit of the Americas in Panama, where President Raul Castro met with President Obama. John Paul, you saw this uh, meeting uh, at the summit. Did it feel like history in the making?
2: What was really historic for me was Raul Castro's speech, which was an hour long, and a a large chunk of it began with a litany of complaints about the U.S. stretching back over a century. And then halfway through, he paused and apologized to Barack Obama and said he wasn't responsible for the U.S. embargo. Um, And he was an honest man, and he'd enjoyed reading his biography. And that kind of backhanded apology... It's just another one of the highly charged, symbolic moments that we've had ever since these talks formally began four or five months ago.
1: And you said the talks began four or five months ago. How far advanced are they? I mean, how close are we to a real normalization of relations?
2: We're still a long way away, I believe. This week we had the U.S. remove an overdue decision, remove Cuba from the list of state sponsors of terrorism, But the uh, process of lifting the embargo and peeling back 50 years of legislation will take a long time. For one, the removal of uh, the embargo requires an act of Congress. And in the current legislation, it stipulates that can only be done when there are democratic elections in Cuba, something that Mr. Castro has no intention of at the
1: moment. So, Jeff, uh, John Paul brings up the question of reaction in Washington. There is that sounds like a very real obstacle to the lifting of sanctions, the legislative requirements. But more broadly, it strikes me, maybe comparing this to the huge controversy of Iran and the possibility of a rapprochement there, that actually it's been a surprisingly calm debate in in Washington, certainly viewed from afar, about what used to be a hugely controversial issue. Is that right or am I misreading it?
3: I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, the really surprising thing about this whole thing to Cuba is just how easy it has been for the administration in the last few months. Opinion polls show that an overwhelming majority of Americans support doing something different with Cuba. I think it's about time that someone is trying to break the logjam. But as Jean-Paul mentioned, it's going to be very complicated to actually navigate this through Congress. And then there's the added complication that you now have two prominent Republican presidential candidates, Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio, who also are very strongly against this opening, I and mean, might try and campaign against it in the primaries. But all that said and done, it's still something that's been remarkably smooth sailing for the administration, especially compared to the toxic politics around Iran.
1: You say that uh, Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush are both likely to campaign against. They come from Florida, a strong base for Cuban-Americans. But some of what we hear is that even amongst Cuban-Americans, there's been a, a shift, uh, sort of generational shifts, where people are now less viscerally hostile and perhaps even see some advantages to opening to Cuba. Is that right?
3: That's certainly what opinion polls show. They, they do show that even amongst the Cuban-American community, there was you know, much more openness towards this type of move than there would have been even five years ago or at least 10 years ago. But, you know, those politicians are still very closely attached to this policy. Marco Rubio especially. So there's not something they can easily back away from. And within the narrow confines of a Republican primary, you've got to remember they're not just aiming at even broad hispanic audience or even even the whole Cuban-American audience, but just fairly specific slices of it. They might still think there's a lot of mileage and sounding tough about Cuba, but sounding tough about dictators, and about slamming the Obama administration for being weak.
1: Now, John Paul, we've talked about how America might be seeing this and why it might be changing. What's going on in Cuba itself, though? I mean, is this the transition from Fidel Castro to his brother Raúl, or do they have other motivations for looking for this opening now?
2: One can speculate, but the two main reasons why this process of rapprochement is going on is first, back-channel talks between Havana and Washington began two years ago, shortly after Hugo Chavez. Venezuela's socialist president died, and Venezuela had provided Cuba with billions of dollars of subsidized oil. So Chavez's death is unleashed by kind of slow process of disintegration in Venezuela, jeopardizing the aid that Venezuela was giving Cuba. So A, there's the economic imperative. And then B, just for actuarial reasons, the Castro brothers are not around that much longer. Both uh, the Castro brothers are in their 80s. So uh, Raul wants to try and secure the revolution um, as he sees it for when they both move on and in 2018 has said he will formally step down as president although one of his relatives is sure to remain in power behind the throne.
1: And what are the sticking points as far as the Cubans are concerned? Do they have any leverage? There's some talk that They're a bit reluctant to see the big symbols of American capitalism, the McDonald's, the other big American brands coming into Cuba. But can they stop that if there's going to be a deal?
2: I mean, the list of Cuban quid pro quos is as long as your arm and ranges from everything to the return of Guantanamo Bay to compensation for the over 50 years of the embargo. I think there's a real frenzy of excitement in the U.S. about the prospect of having a bite at this long forbidden fruit. But some of it is getting ahead of itself. And you have to remember that Cuba, although a new market, is still relatively small. It's 12 million people, the size of the Dominican Republic. So it's an exciting prospect because it's a novel one. But even if the embargo does go, you still have the prospect of having to deal with a sluggish socialist bureaucracy. So there's many a slip twixt cup and lip.
1: And as you say, it is only 12 million people, and yet Cuba's played this big role in the international imagination, if you like, as a symbol of defiance of the United States. It was crucial in the Cold War. Probably the closest we ever came to nuclear war was the Cuban missile crisis. What does it mean, do you think, for regional politics and for Latin America as a whole, if there is, a, if not a full-scale rapprochement, a kind of taking the sting out of that old Cuban-American antagonism?
2: I think it's potentially hugely significant. It's already hugely significant. Bringing Cuba on board into the U.S., bringing it out into the world, removes a traditional whipping post for the left in Latin America, who face other problems at at the same time, especially in South America. Uh, You've had governments there in Venezuela, Argentina, Brazil, for much of this century, And um, they enjoyed good times from the commodity boom. And now they're suffering from bad times as commodity prices collapse. So not only are they entering into a more difficult political environment, but one of their traditional um, sort of rallying cries, uh, we have to resist the U.S. because they're against our brothers in Cuba, is being removed. You've also got peace talks in in Colombia between the FARC rebels and the Colombian government. Um, And all of this is a really heady uh, sort of geopolitical mix. And the prospect, which you can just about see, is an unwinding of this Gordian knot and potentially reducing the temperature dramatically in the region's politics.
1: And finally, Jeff, then coming back to the American point of view, I mean, presumably President Obama must see this as an opportunity to kind of get back to what he wanted to be... When he first came into office, the peacemaker, the man who can reconcile uh, America with old enemies. I mean, is this regarded by the Obama administration now as a potential centerpiece for them in the last couple of years of foreign policy?
3: I think in terms of the broader legacy, the Iran deal and the Iran politics are still very much the centerpiece. But this is, is, is an important added aspect to it, as you say, giving him this image that he's restoring diplomacy to the center of American foreign policy, that he's prepared to engage with enemies, and that you can solve these almost intractable problems by a bit of personal engagement and a bit of tough diplomacy on the part of the U.S. That's how they would see this as fitting into his broader legacy. Um, but also, you know, it has potential to completely remake the way the U.S. thinks about Latin America. The U.S. has had a slightly narrow view of Latin American politics really for the last few decades. It's very much focused on Cuba uh, with a lot of Venezuela in the last decade as well. But if you take away this foreign, then there is a potential for the U.S. to think much more broadly about the region, to focus much more on the bigger economies, and Mexico and Brazil, and to think of Latin America as a, a place we can do business with. Uh, we can start to have much more closer economic and energy integration, and much less about these these old Cold War type disputes that are still hanging over the way the US thinks about the region.
1: Okay, Jeff Dyer in Washington, thank you very much indeed. Thanks also very much to John Paul Rathburn, just back from Panama. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.